0: This is open style. A magnificent strike into the crowd.
1: India lift the World Cup.
0: Hello, everyone. I'm Arup Ghosh, and uh, we are on sports 9com Now, that's sports with a Z. So remember that. Uh, and don't hunt for S P O R T S. So it is with a Z. And this is a series of podcasts that we are doing uh, on this uh, freshly launched website. We believe this will be a series and which will deeply look into the world of sport and also focus on the South Asian community in Canada, especially in the province of Ontario. I have with me Sandeep Mishra, who's the editor of sports999.com. And he's, as everyone knows about him, absolute pro, uh, <laughs> <is> a guru <laughs> of sports. And uh, we have a very interesting topic today before I bring Sandeep on, which is that uh, India is seriously looking at uh, having some kind of uh, laws for match-fixing. Does India need to make match-fixing a criminal offense? Now, that's uh, a question which is facing a lot of people. And it is coming based on uh, some reports which uh, has come from the ICC anti-corruption unit, also from the BCCI's anti-corruption unit, Uh, two big guys uh, Richardson of ICC, and Ajit Singh from the BCCI. Uh, And and incidentally, Ajit Singh himself is a former cop. He was uh, DG of Rajasthan. And they were uh, part of a discussion recently. And they have both strongly advocated that India needs to make match-fixing a criminal offense. Uh, Also, I would like to begin uh, by bringing to your attention that in 2019, Sri Lanka was the first uh, country in South Asia, which criminalized match-fixing with punishments, including a 10-year prison sentence. It's another matter that currently in Sri Lanka, all the big guns like Mahila Jaiwardhana, Kumar Sangakara, Aravinda De Silva, the big hero of the past, and Upul Taranga have all been uh, called for questioning by the cops there. And it all relates to a match-fixing charge, incidentally, uh, in that final, if you remember, which India won uh, under Dhoni. Then this was the World Cup in 2011. So, Sandeep, first of all, your opening impressions, uh, your f- gut feel on uh, uh, that India does need a very strong law that we all know. But to what extent is it possible? What is the magnitude of the fixing and betting which is which is uh, going on in the world of cricket?
1: Sanyarup, um, you know, uh, We've been speaking about betting, we've been speaking about, you know, changing the laws. I think it's probably been a decade that this uh, topic, opinion, argument, call it whatever we can. Uh, But the big question is that, you know, uh, making it into a, a criminal offense is not going to be easy because somewhere between the lines, one needs to understand and read that there are, People in politics, and, and I'm, when I say people in politics, I mean not only at the center, and we are speaking of India at this moment of time, but even in states, they all benefit from this. There are cricket associations which are part of it. I know it's very easy to accuse, you know, without having any facts, but sometimes when you are in this business, when I say business, I completely and clearly mean in journalism you you tend to meet people you are speaking to people you have meetings with people who are part of this and sometimes a story doesn't reach a particular end so you kind of uh, not having those kind of voices not having those kind of quotes bites in what we call in the print and television somehow doesn't lend itself to doing a complete story but that doesn't mean at all that there is no story so When you look at these people in politics, when you look at these cricket associations, and when you look at movie stars who are all part of all of this, it's very difficult to bring in a law because there's always going to be this tug of war. Should we let it remain as it is? Because there's an enormous amount of money being made. Or should we make it into a criminal offense so that the the match fixing, which I now don't call it match fixing. I call it spot fixing. Match fixing... Is not, is not probably a fashion now because it's more of who you can get and which player can play for you in whatever means to make that huge amount of money. I think that's where that's where the crux lies. And uh, somehow I believe, and my opinion on this is very simple, legalize cricket betting, get that money, whether that taxation is from 2% to 15 or 16%. Sometimes you can even make it 20% on certain huge bets. That money actually can go into the market. It can go into C, B, D, E, F levels of sport and, you know, make a difference in actually sub-junior sports somewhere. Money made somewhere else out of this huge popular sport that we call cricket. But that money, in terms of taxation, benefiting a host of sport in India, making them so much more appealing for more youngsters to come into those sport than all of them constantly, 80% of them going into cricket. That's that's what well, I so, feel.
0: Okay, so basically you are saying that to simplify matters, uh, let us not start worrying about a criminal law here in India, which uh, because of the stakeholders and the power that they wield and... Uh, some of the huge names uh, who uh, participate in whether it's the IPL or whether it's any other match. So, and the, particularly the owners, some of whom are movie superstars or from one of the biggest industrial houses in this country. So it might be a bit of a problem, but uh, let us separate uh, this discussion into two aspects. And also um, our listeners should realize that betting is one thing. Match fixing is another betting is legal in, in various countries, which is what Sandeep is trying to say that if you, legalized betting in this country and uh, there is an underlayer where millions of rupees are up for betting. Uh, So large parts of that revenue can be used properly. Of course, match fixing can never be encouraged. But my uh, point to you here is that Steve Richardson, the coordinator of investigations at the ICC's anti-corruption unit, as well as Ajit Singh, the head of the BCCI's ACU, they both agree that India needs a very strong law uh, on this matter. And Richardson, in fact, uh, created quite a stir by saying that most fixers in international cricket are Indian, as per latest reports, and the name of Ravinder Dandival has come up now as an ace fixer, who has now moved mm. beyond cricket, apparently, and uh, is buzzing around other sports like tennis. Uh, picking up, uh, cherry picking younger players and basically creating havoc within the system. And Richardson repeatedly hits the point that while the cops in India are very cooperative, but they are bound down, they have one arm uh, tied behind their back, virtually to paraphrase him, and they are unable to really uh, basically lop off the head of the snake. What do you think?
1: Again, I mean, what they are saying is, is is completely true. I mean, what the law that we have is what, 1867 or probably even before the 1900s. I mean, that is the gambling law or the bribery law, whatever you call it. I mean, the law is coming in from there, but we, we, we need these things. And pro- we probably needed this 10 years back. It was the writing was on the wall. The moment cricket became popular and when in 2000, actually the whole process started in 2000 and I'm not speaking of India here. When Betfair and Bet365, two of the biggest companies, in fact, Paddy Power is now, has now merged with Betfair, making it probably the biggest. When they started operations, that is the time when people should have, you know, they were all sleeping at that time in, in the rest of the country, especially India. I mean, India, the, after the IPL, actually people woke up that, okay, you know, now this is going into house to house. When you say dandiwal I mean, there is a dandiwal that exists. In virtually every big city, and now the biggest problem is not the dandiwal of the big city. The biggest problem is the little dandivals that have been created in smaller towns. You go to Nasik, you go to Nagpur. Nagpur, I don't call it a big, a small town now because Nagpur is a big betting city. In fact, you know, uh, even before the monsoons, uh, <laughs> I mean, this is a story that always makes me laugh. That most shopkeepers or the most traders, they all sit around and bet. which is is the day or which hour the first drop of rain is going to fall. And and not many people realize it. The betting goes up to 5 crores for just this much. So just imagine cricket that is happening on a daily basis across the world in virtually every continent and all the cricket-playing countries. Why? Has anybody thought, why is the ODI and the T20 happening around the clock? Simply because they help betters. They help this industry to become bigger. Now, that is a view that you can say a pessimistic view or, you know, we are probably targeting the ICC in this. But yes, I mean, somewhere along the line, big television coming in, big matches happening, India becoming the whole power center of virtually everything that has to do with cricket in terms of skill, talent and revenue. All these three factors have made this such a... Such an attractive proposition for even small towns. And when I say small towns, let me just repeat this. Odisha, where normally you will not associate, and when I say you will not normally associate betting, betting can be associated with anybody. It's part of our human psyche. I mean, we all love to gamble in some way or the other. I mean, even when there's a movie release, we say whether it's going to be hit or not, that is a part of a gamble that we 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 are talking about. Katak today is a small town virtually next to Bhuvaneshwar. It's like a twin city thing. Katak has one of the highest gambling revenues in India. And every little trader out there, and it's a trading outpost. It's not like Bhuvaneshwar, but largely a bureaucratic city. I mean, this is a trading outpost out there. And today they are doing revenues of close to 100 crores during big matches. So you can imagine, just calculate the amount of small towns. So when we talk about, Bringing in this law and that law, I think we always come... The law needs to be there. I am not at all saying that there should not be any law. Yes, criminalize the whole thing. Put these guys into jail because what they're doing is tarnishing sport. But at the same time, you Hmm. know that there's going to be legal betting. Bring legal betting in and use that money to prop up sport. I mean, isn't that a good
0: idea? Uh, You hold that thought. I'll come with you uh, very quickly uh, with two uh, uh, quotes and two points which have been made, one by BCCI's Ajit Singh. And uh, our listeners would be pretty much horrified to know uh, that unverified accounts indicate the annual turnover from betting in India is in the range of 30 to 40,000 crores. It's massive. And secondly, Steve Richardson basically says, that is quite an anomaly that you can bet 500 rupees on the outcome of a match for a side to win or lose in India. That is illegal. However, if you offer 30,000 US dollars to a player to underperform in that match, there is nothing illegal in that. Now, this is coming from Steve Richardson of ICC. You know uh, the huge anomalies that exist. You know the big, uh, uh, massive gap that exists and how difficult it is to nail any big name. And we will come to that. But initially, how do you react to this turnover business and this anomaly?
1: Well, the turnover, according to Fikki, was 300,000 crores. You know, so so, so just, just, just for a second, take that number in, 300,000 crores. I mean, uh, what are we talking about here? I mean, I, I think, what is, our, what is our defense budget? Can anybody tell me that? I mean, I mean, the betting in India is at this moment of time higher than the defense budget of the country. I mean, that itself should make those people sitting in power probably sit up at the least. And I'm saying at the least the government can earn 10,000 crores out of justice in terms of taxation, just taxation and keep the taxation high. Keep it at 20 percent. Keep it at 22 percent. And I'll tell you one thing. You keep it at 25 percent of the betting and still you will see legal betting doubling up. You know, there are there are lots of ways to look at it. There is an opinion in the UK and also in Australia and in South Africa, three of the countries that have legalized betting and where, where you actually see Betfair, I don't know if you remember, I mean, in most matches of test matches in Australia, you have this boundary little thing, um, you know, where we yes. used to have the rope and now right. they have this Betfair advertising all along the rope. Yeah,
0: it keeps now, running around all over the place. Yeah,
1: so, so Mr. Richardson, on one hand, you are of course pushing You're, of course, pushing the legal betting thing by ensuring that most of the ICC countries, I mean, Australia especially, England especially, have betting advertising happening. I mean, Bet365 owns a football team, for God's sake, Stoke City. Bet365 owns two teams in the Romanian or the Bulgarian Football League since when a betting company started owning football teams. So the law somewhere is twisted. But in this whole twist, what is the big important thing? Is that if you can't control the criminal aspect of it, God damn it, control at least the legal side of it. At least make it legal. At least start getting in that money. So that the companies are under pressure and you somehow shift. The illegal gamblers, these people who go up to players and, you know, try and fix those matches or fix those players for those particular moments, during particular moments of a cricket match. Let's make this a little more simpler. A um, player just goes in. He's understood to not make runs in a particular over. Let's say he, he, he has a maiden over, not in a T20 because sometimes it's too apparent, but maybe in an ODI or a test match, that maiden over is worth 30 crores. Why wouldn't wow. anybody do it? I mean, what are we? are we? Are we stupid? Are we fools? I mean, why wouldn't somebody do that? And when I say somebody do that, I'm, I'm not trying to cross the line between the good and the bad and the evil of all, you know? It's not like that.
0: You, you raised a very important uh, question that why wouldn't someone do that? Now, uh, whatever material is available and particularly coming in from the ICC and the BCCI, their analysis, uh, which should be taken uh, seriously, So, they have identified two kinds of players, uh, more or less, who are very susceptible. One is, one of those players who don't see a future for themselves. And we have seen a couple of such players being booked uh, during the IPL uh, and also elsewhere in the world. Second is, uh, by inference, people who are nearing retirement who haven't had a great career. So, uh, in any case, um, these days, with so much cricket being played, it's a truncated uh, lifeline. So, you have the good ones last about 10 years. Plus, the the others, most of them don't even last that long. So they are susceptible to this kind of money. My point is, if you look at the Hansi Cronier incident, which is so famous in India, and uh, mm-hmm. Hansi Cronier, uh, no matter what his critics say, but I admire the guy at least that he stood up and admitted that he had taken money. There are many worthies in our country who have, who have uh, allegedly indulged themselves in this kind of match-fixing, never admitted. Uh, some of them were banned. And later, most of them got scot-free and nothing uh, has ever happened. Take the case of Sri Santh of late. Uh, there was such a hoopla around his arrest. If the matter goes to court. Nothing happens because this is exactly what the lawmakers, the experts are trying to say that the uh, the system does not support adequate action. Do you agree with that?
1: Completely. I mean, Uh, we also have to look at it in a very different sense that in India, money is power, irrespective of how you make it. And one example, I mean, I also admire Lalit Modi a lot. I mean, hugely, I mean, anybody who can create something out of nothing, and then make it into a 5 billion, 6 billion property, does need to be admired for the for actually the way he has put everything together and the way he carried that vision for so long amongst a group of people who probably don't have any vision. And my meaning is the BCCI at that point of time. What happens later? Of course, he, yeah. he tries to take away a certain percentage of the money. I mean, that is what has been written in the media. And that's the reason why he's never come back, come back to India from his house, which is near the Chelsea football stadium. Now, this man, during the 2007 World Cup, if I clearly remember, I was outside the Lord's Gate for an India versus West Indies match, I think. And the Indian cricket team was walking in through one gate. They were hardly... uh, The fans were all there, of course, because the bus was entering. And then suddenly, Lalit comes out of a a luxury car and walks towards another gate. And everybody, believe me, everybody Mm -hmm. leaves the cricket team and runs towards Lalit Modi. Now, because Lalit Modi was bigger than, you know, whatever that image was portrayed, but Lalit made money. He created wealth. In India, wealth is a very important thing. I'm not saying it's not important uh, in the UK, but today you ask anybody, the owner of Bet365 or Betfair, nobody knows their owners that much. But if in India, these betting companies were there, these are the very owners that every youngster would have aspired to become. Now, that is, a, that is a thin line that we straddle somewhere or the other. You know, what is the aspirational value of somebody who drives this particular car or somebody who doesn't? I mean, cricketers somehow unconsciously are pushing this whole, whole thing for a lot of youngsters to come in. And when you talk about turnovers and all, again, again, these turnovers are there. It's, it's, it's in a face. What has the government done? Nothing. What has the sports minister done? Nothing. What has the BCCI done except give these interviews and say, you know, we are trying to look into it. Nothing. What has the media done? Absolutely nothing. The media, I mean, we guys, we guys look the other way. We constantly look the other way because these are icons. You cannot talk about them. You cannot say that, oh, you know, I think you can't, can't even say this line. And correctly also, because you really don't have facts, but yet you, you cannot say, I think these top cricketers are probably involved. There's too much in, there's too much in it for the media itself. You try and put, a, put an article on, on, on spot fixing with six names that you know that, you, that you're correct in writing, but maybe you just don't have the fact. No, no newspaper in the country is going to print it because they just don't want to be on the wrong side of the BCCI or the cricket establishment.
0: Are you saying, are you saying that um, in India, there is this zeal about maintaining the image of the legends and uh, even if something wrong has happened around them or they are involved, nobody will admit it. So it's one thing that Manoj Prabhakar made all those allegations against Kapil Dev and Kapil Dev gave that famous interview where he started crying or two other gentlemen whom you... And I have worked very closely with at a point in time. One is Mohammed Azaruddin, The other is our good friend Ajay Jadeja. Uh, I still remember Azar bhai saying, this was about 14, 15 years ago when we were doing this uh, show for Sahara Samaya at that point in time. And you were the sports editor. And he never played the 100th test. But since then, till now, Azhar's uh, background has been cleaned up. It's been airbrushed. He is now head of the Hyderabad Cricket Association. He rings the bell for a, for a test match. Uh, so all, uh, everything is hunky-dory now. The uh, courts also couldn't go beyond a point. Same is the case with Ajay Jadeja. And to a uh, very lesser extent, I don't really care for this gentleman called Sri Sant. But uh, the way he was booked and what ultimately happens are very uh, two different things. But it does leave... Uh, an impact on on the on the viewers on on the cricket fans i will uh, I, I want you to react to this. I was once at that point in time, maybe it was uh, uh, over a decade ago, and uh, I was uh, at the bombay airport trying to catch a flat uh, flight out and the place was packed. Azhar came in he stood there, and no one walked up to him at that point in time. Not a single person walked up to him. So he looked around here, there, of course, took his ticket and left. So that that image has has remained uh, in my mind. And this is the same Azhar, who on the cricket field was virtually God and one of the most gifted players. So it's, it's a very weird situation that you create a doubt about a person. You can never nail or prove it. Uh, there is a truncated career and that's about it.
1: You know... Um, yeah, I mean, the moment you said God of cricket, Azuruddin, I mean, <laughs> no, no, I, I really, you know, I mean, if there was a cricketer who who I loved watching and I'm, and he's my number one, I mean, any day, I mean, you just look at the first three tests he played. I mean, it was, it was like watching something else, you know, you'd never seen batting like that. You had never seen style like that. You, you yeah. never saw a bat with such a flourish, you know, I mean, that's what Azhar brought in. And then the later part of the story. And even the later part, let's let's examine that. Just just briefly. The courts cleared them? Fine. My point is different. The courts have cleared you, you know, the courts clear a lot of things, good or bad. But why do why does why do the channels? I mean, why can't the channels have a very clear cut line? Anybody in doubt, you're not going to take them on. But yet you take them on. Yet the youngsters. In the, in the country, the young minds, as we call it, you know, very stupidly, young minds, you know, those young minds are listening to these very cricketers talk about cricket, analyzing cricket. And at the same time, you're saying that they were in for fixing, that they were in for bribes, that they were corrupt. If they were corrupt, if they were bribed, then in your goddamn reports, if they were bribed, if they had taken bribes in your stupid TV interviews, then... Why the hell are you putting them into your studios? I mean, can't you see what you're doing? And then you talk about these big things, you know, that cricket is such a massive game and we are proud because it's it it generates so much of revenue. Yeah, India today is a is a massive giant. And these very media houses, these very media houses need to examine what they are dishing or what they are throwing out. For that 16-year-old, 14-year-old, 18-year-old who probably reads on a Google that Azhar was corrupt. And then he says and asks himself, I see him in a studio. He's analyzing cricket. I see others analyzing cricket. So how come they are corrupt? And if they were corrupt, why would they were brought back into the system? The courts cleared them. Fine. Don't bring them back into the system. Keep that line clear. But no, in our country, you know it, we all know it. Lines are blurred constantly on a daily basis, and similar the lines are getting blurred in cricket very, very simply because we are not looking at the match fixing or the spot fixing or the betting as it should be. That this is something that happens to most human beings. That we do bet, we do gamble, we do things that you know, which is which in routine society is termed as you know, one shouldn't do this. Now, if those things are have reached uh. A cancerous level, let's put it that way, a cancerous level, why not legalize it? Why not make it a little more positive in that sense that most sport, the government... Now, cricket stopped, or sport has stopped uh, taking cigarette ads, haven't they? Yeah. There are are no alcohol ads, why? But you take betting ads. I mean, you take Bet365, you take Betfair. And Mr. ICC, uh, stop talking nonsense at least, you know, (laughs) at least say that, you know, We, we set the trend here. We tell Australia, we tell UK, we tell whichever goddamn country out there from today, stop betting ads, stop getting these ads onto cricket five days, regular test match. A goddamn ODI goes more than a three-hour or a two-hour film. It goes on and on. A T20 goes on and on. You're constantly watching these ads. Isn't going to affect people? Going, is it, is it, if I'm watching a match, I will say, okay, let me at least try Betfair. They're giving me a £10 or a $10 discount. Or they're saying bet $20 for free the first time. They're already snaring me in. And ICC, let me tell you, is helping them right now by not stopping these ads. If alcohol and cigarettes are bad, so is gambling. So treat them the same way or make money out of it by legalizing it.
0: Okay, now uh, let us go into, and this has been intriguing me for the last two days, uh, been following that closely, uh, the development in Sri Lanka. Because it all started with the former sports minister of Sri Lanka, who is now uh, going in for uh, parliamentary elections, I believe. And he's got a ticket he's going to contest. So he has been saying this for a while and he's now up the ante. And now the Sri Lankan government, after particularly uh, when they criminalized uh, match fixing as an offense, have gone into uh, this probe, whether the World Cup 2011, which happened at the Vankere Stadium in Mumbai, was fixed or not. And um, from the information which is coming in, the, the the only point of concern is that, why were four changes made in the Sri Lankan side for the final. So, um, Aravinda De Silva, who was then the, uh, the, the chief selector, he basically said that Mutaiya Murli Dharan was unwell, was unfit. Even then, they played him. And, and Murli Dharan admitted to that. They couldn't play their best player, Angelo Matthews, because um, he was also sort of injured. And they uh, basically chose two other guys, which is, of course, their prerogative. So, Kumar Sangakara and Mahila Jaiwardhana have also been called in, so they will make their deposition. Upul Taranga has already deposed, and the charge against him was that this guy uh, was at the crease for half, uh, half an hour, and he scored only two runs. Now, do you smell a rat, number one? Number two, why wake up nine years later?
1: Yeah, why wake up nine years later? I think, I think there was a lack of content happening. <laughs> I think there was a complete lack of cricket content happening. You needed something out there, you know. You needed something, you know, because it was ready in, in during COVID, it was getting boring. There was no cricket happening. The the point I'm trying to make is, can you prove it? Can you prove any charge against any any Indian, Sri Lankan, Australian, Bangladesh, any anybody, can you prove it? You can't. You really can't prove these charges. I mean, it's just they say. I mean, one minister says, and that also an exports minister says that you know, okay, these guys took money. I mean, how can you prove all these charges? There is no court in India or Sri Lanka that can prove them. So it's just it's just a waste of time. I mean, it just fills up copy. It's it's great. Some people read it. I mean, agencies um, print or whatever, or television then does six programs on it. So it's it's fine. I mean, everybody is is is, is dipping into it, but. Honestly, I really don't see anything happening here. I mean, what can you charge? Can you put any Sri Lankan cricketer behind bars? You can't. Now, if Sri Lanka dumped that game, what was happening on the Indian side? All clean? <laughs> I mean, was, it, was, was this only from one side? I mean, didn't we shake hands on it or something? I mean, that's the normal way it happens, unless it was just spot fixed by two or three players. But do a, two or three players completely dictate the match? If I recall correctly, Mahila had a decent innings. Yes, he did. So I mean, so which which direction are we hinting at? Which direction or which player are we pointing out to? Is there a certain player that you say, you know, Indian bowling was really going good? One Sri Lankan batsman couldn't probably back through the way he should have, and he had a bad time out there in the middle. So is he suspicious? By that logic, every match that the top nations play or the smaller nations play, you can be suspicious of at least three to four cricketers. At least minimum, but there's no law. I mean, what Richardson and others are saying is, is true in that sense that there is no law that you cannot do anything about it. There are no facts. Okay, uh, but I, I, I and... need I need to bring one point in. Sure. That you know this whole this whole thing about state leagues that have suddenly started the Tamil Nadu cricket league and and, and all of this. I don't know. A lot of people probably noticed this or not. But just a month back, or probably 20, 25 days back, I had just forgotten the name of that cricket league which happened in Australia, which was basically not even on regular cameras. I think they probably had four or five or six cameras. They were probably phone cameras, but they were editing it and putting a live stream on. Do you know that particular match or those particular matches which were organized? Not, but They were semi-professional players, but they were streamed live. And it got a little bit of attention because there was no sport happening at that time. Even there, betting was happening. Even there, it was on Betfair. People were betting on that, on that, on that stupid, semi-professional, not even semi-professional league happening somewhere outside of Sydney on a ground that, you know, we played. We played during school.
0: You're absolutely right because I read a, a recent story which sounds uh, very much uh, like a Hindi film story, which could be reminded me of uh, Amir Khan's gulam. Uh, uh, back in time, uh, where there's a pressure on him to fix his boxing match and he doesn't. But this is a story where in the Mofasal towns of India, in the rural belt of India, mm-hmm. where uh, young players uh, who are playing cricket mm-hmm. come up to a particular level. So out of that, maybe one or two are more talented. So then there is a local godfather, So they basically... Uh, uh, in, in a very within courts, nice way, they become their godfather. They become their patron. They look after their uh, uh, their needs. They the the kids could be from poor homes, impoverished homes. Uh, they could uh, probably need some support going up. So this person becomes their godfather and helps that player up to a point. The moment that player goes up to the district level or any uh, a little beyond, where the match is being televised, that is when the godfather wants his pound of flesh. And this poor guy is so beholden to this person that he he has to agree. He has to bend. And that is the end of the story of that player's career. The, the godfather obviously makes the big bucks. So do you f- see this thread running all over India? Is it happening uh, on a very regular basis?
1: Oh, it's, it's more than regular. It's it's, it's something that, that will always be below the radar. The BCCI doesn't have, honestly, I mean, it's not their job also in that sense. Though it is their job. But one can understand that with all this scheduling and the international tournaments and everything, they really can't keep looking at the state level. It is the job of the state association. The state association is hand in glove with this completely. I, I cannot honestly name that particular association right now. But they started a cricket league and this was some six, seven, eight years back, which was live. Which was live on one of the, which was live on one of the sports channels at that time. And this is before Star and all these guys came in and and bought these big rights and all that. The the league went on for a year or two years. And then it was stopped. Because both the owners, who were the owners of the league, so-called, and they owned four four teams each. Can you buy that? Four four teams each. Okay. They they had a fight over dinner. Over what? Two and a half lakh rupees. That, you know, this is what you owe me and this is what you don't owe me. And they they, they were like... Punches and, you know, I mean, except it was a heavyweight uh, bout because, you know, each of them probably weighed 100 kilos or more. I mean, that's the kind of, you know, weight those two guys were carrying. But what I'm trying to say is that the state leagues, it's the job of the BCCI in a sense to give it to the state associations to monitor them. I mean, players out there, if I'm 28 years old and I'm playing three matches of Ranji Trophy and I know now I don't have a future. Obviously, I don't have a future at 28 if I played only three Ranji. I'm going to fall for this. And what do I fall for? Not for money. I fall for a new car. I fall for a new refrigerator. I fall for a new air conditioner. I fall for some little jewelry here and there. I guide these people because... They are, they are completely below the radar. Nobody will understand, nobody will know, nobody will ever write about these guys taking whatever home. In India today, in the middle class, buying a new car is not a big deal. Of course, you go buy a Mercedes Benz, it's going to be a big deal. But any other car, it's not a big deal. So how do you, you can easily slink in these things. But let me tell you, there is a league in the South. Again, some players have got paid in the UK. That's cash. And that's happening. And that's happening. And that will keep happening. It will not keep happening only. It's going to keep expanding. The state leagues are going to be the big problem in the future for the BCCI. They can keep telling. They can keep putting a blind eye to it. They can you know, shift, rotate, do whatever they want in their seats. But that is the big problem. Mr. Richardson or whoever it is out there needs to understand. That below the level, the corruption is beginning at the age of 14, 15, 16, when the player, not the player, Arup, the father of the player is taking money so that his son can throw a game. Please understand. Please understand where the problem actually lies. If I'm a bookie, if I'm a small town bookie, what do I do? And if I have a, a son who's constantly seeing me watch cricket, without actually knowing that what I'm indulging in at that age, it's sometimes difficult, but I become an aspirational, you know, I I aspire to play cricket. So the father takes him and just imagine if the son comes, becomes even better than average. He walks into local teams. He walks into any other big team. By a big team, I mean in the state, the father, because he is a gambler, he's a compulsive gambler. So what does he do? He tells his son, okay, you know, score six or score 10 or score 15. The son doesn't know what is happening. He does it. But later on, he knows it. And that's how the change starts. That's how the change starts.
0: So but- it's interesting that you're saying that, um, that uh, players who don't have much to look forward to might settle for a, a fridge or a car. So those could be the, uh, the aspirations there. It's another matter that some of our uh, players uh, are driving around in Lamborghinis and setting different aspirational values. So I won't go into that. But I want to close this uh, podcast by uh, getting your opinion on two things. They are saying that there can be two outcomes to somewhat clean the game up in India. One is having a specialized investigative agency which has teeth. And second, have a criminal law uh, which basically tracks sporting fraud because that's exactly what Sri Lanka has done with ICC's help. So have a a criminal law for sporting fraud and have very severe punitive fines. Again, Sri Lanka has 10 years uh, against anybody who has indulged in such sporting frauds. I would say it's what sometimes what the enforcement directorate in India does in, in, uh, in big corruption cases that you basically attach properties of that person and take away a lot of that stuff which is ill gotten. How do you react to that?
1: Yeah, number one, criminal law is a must. And I think 10 years is too low. It should be 25. Because not only are you playing around with sport, you're playing around with younger lives. You're, you're, you subconsciously, nobody will realize this. But, but once betting is on the mobile phones and once it's on laptops and mm-hmm. all, uh, that, that is legal. What I'm speaking is about is the illegal one. And a lot of illegal betting also comes from the legal side in the sense we need to know what the odds are. And the biggest problem out there is that the youngsters are coming into it. There are a lot of young men in the, when I, when I'm demarcating the country into four zones, the West, East, North, South. Now the bookies in each of these areas have a different way of operating. Though of course they have a centralized authority. They must be having it is probably one of the best run businesses across the world. When you, when you do gambling of, of 5 billion plus, and when Betfair or Bet365 have a valuation, which was, five years back or probably six years back of $2.4 billion, you know that this is serious business happening here. And serious businesses have serious processes. The processes need to be killed. You need to kill the process. The process needs to be killed right from the college level. That's where they should go in. And the criminal law should be 25. There's nothing, nothing beyond below that. Only then there has to be some fear. In India, everything is fear. You cross a red light... Anytime you want. But unless you see a cop on the other side who knows that he's going to find you 5,000 bucks, you're going to stop at the red line. That is the kind of reactions we have as human beings. And this is where they need to bring in the human instinct. They need to get in people who can try and understand why something is happening and how to eradicate it. If you can't eradicate it, get in 25 years of criminal law. Get in these people in, behind bars, at least to start with. You know, At least on suspicion, for God's sake, on suspicion put them in. The court cases are different. And at the same time, legal betting, legal betting may not be the final answer, but legal betting is the answer at the moment.
0: Okay, we'll leave it at that. Legal betting, according to you, is is, uh, what is required here at the moment. Uh, And also, there is a need for a specialized investigative agency, which has teeth. We need a criminal law, uh, which again, uh, has the ability to stop sporting fraud to check it and have very severe punitive fines. And like Sandeep said, that it shouldn't be 10 years, it should be 25 years, and with a host of other punches thrown in. But last, and not the least, fear is the key that we should all remember. Thanks, Sandeep. Thank, Thank you, you all guys you. for uh, listening in. And uh, we'll be back soon with another podcast on Sports999.com. Again, sports with a Z.
1: Goodbye. Thank man. you. Bye. Baldy finishes off in style. A magnificent strike into the crowd. India lift the World Cup.